KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Here with you for the next couple of hours. Hope you can stay with us uh, throughout the duration. If you can't and there's something you uh, want to hear, want to listen to somebody again, you can always go to the podcast page at KXNO.com and lock yourself in for that. Coming up on the program, we're going to talk Iowa State recruiting, for the most part, basketball. Uh, win one and lose one yesterday for the clones recruiting right. Trent Condon. Uh, get a football recruit, lose a basketball recruit. So we will... Well, they didn't lose them. They never had them to begin with. But you get where I'm coming from, folks. Uh, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com 24-7 Sports, coming up at 10-25. 10-45, we're going to talk NFL with one of our... Oh, bi-weekly contributors, Frank Schwab from YahooSports.com. Into the NBA, we will go with Josh Martin. Uh, your tweet was wrong, by the way. We've got two guests at the same time. 11.20 for Josh ah, Martin. yes. I and then uh, a newcomer to the Rolodex, perhaps, uh, Rodney, is it Knupel? It's got to be Knupel, right? You're going Knupel? Well, that's how they do it in this country. That's what I was thinking, too. See, if I was, if I, we were doing the show in Winnipeg, it would be Knupel. The K, the K is silent. K is silent. Like, remember the golfer George, here he's George Knutson. You wouldn't remember him, 60s and 70s. There he was George Knutson. The, oh, really? Yes. There's lots of Knutsons up from my neck of the woods. And they're Knutsons. They're Knutsons, yeah. Right. Knutson. Knutson. Okay, the K that is silent. That sounds Canadian. Well, it is, I guess. Uh, but uh, this guy from St. Louis, Rodney Knupel, will join us. We'll do the Cardinals, but we're going to do the Blues. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're going to have to help me out tomorrow because I'm watching one game tonight. <laughs> and it's Game 7, two Central Division teams, the Dallas Stars and the St. Louis Blues, 7 o'clock puck drop, and I cannot wait. Hockey was good last night. NBA may be Mm, was it better? I, I don't think know. So it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. I flipped over to overtime in, in the uh, in the uh, Avalanche Shark game. Too late. Yeah, it didn't last long. No, I flipped over. And they were celebrating. I missed it, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, they were. And thankfully for me, because I was on fumes. Well, oh, you were still up though. I was in bed watching it before wow. I turned it off. Yeah, look but, at you. But I can't have the sound on, right? Because I don't want you know. Does, does Scrunch wake up with the sound on? It depends. And yeah. when she does, she's grumpy. Even when oh, it, sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, why are you waking me? Anyways. Uh-huh. Um, so, as I take you into my bedroom, I apologize for that. <laughs> um, now I'm flustered. So we're going to talk, we're going to talk uh, blues. We're going to talk cardinals. We'll do that at about 1140. You know, Trent, as we work our way through the month of May here, this is an underrated month in sports. Yeah. You know, we not, not cringe once they cut down the nets and there's no more Iowa and Iowa State talk and April's good. It's not bad at all. May is an underrated. Look, it's never going to be. You pick your poison. You mm-hmm. want March? I'll take. I'll take October. Um, and I get that those are the two seemingly at the top of everybody's list, yep. right? Uh, but this is good. And, and the NBA, as bad as they were in the first round, this has been damn good. It, it has. Last night was incredibly entertaining. I uh, got to the Celtics Bucks game in the fourth quarter. Right as the Celtics so were making a run. So you missed Giannis on the bench. Yes, yes. And Trent, that's the story of the game. As good as he was, and when he had 39 and 16, something like that, when he was on the bench in foul trouble, he picked up his fourth foul and he was on the bench. The Bucks bench is the story of the game, in my opinion. I mean, Giannis was great, and he always is. Mm-hmm. 
but George Hill and some of these other guys. Connaughton's two games in a row. How about Pat, the uh, the former Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish basketball player and baseball player. Remember right? that about yes. him? And went and played a ball in the Orioles organization and said, you know what? I'm going to, this baseball thing's not for me. I'm going to try and make my mark in professional basketball. My, oh my. It, it's incredible. It really is. You know, there, there's a big story north of us up in Minneapolis about Jalen Suggs. I, I saw, I think Matthew Bain had something in his recruiting Did he? piece yep. there in the register about him. Top 10 point uh, player in the country, mm-hmm. regardless of position of basketball, can go to Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, or one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Go that route, or and where's his offers in, in football? Do you know? Not the Alabama and Clemson's, but very close. Okay, I mean he he's he going to play in a Power Five, Michigan, conference. Ohio State. Wow. Certainly, he could do that. Yeah, I was one of the few though that's recruiting hard in both sports: football, basketball. Difficult, mm-hmm. a very difficult. Ronald Curry did it, quarterback, point guard at North Carolina. And we saw Julius Peppers, but he didn't really play a whole lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez, but how long ago was that? At that level. What would you do if that's your kid? Which way would I? I don't know. I think I mean, it's basketball. The, the money in basketball, the 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 injuries, of injuries football. when you get older, the the CET scare, CTE scare. Mm-hmm. I that's that would be the way that mm-hmm. I would lean and say, go to Duke, go mm-hmm. there for a year, and then go get a first round draft gate and and move on from there. I, that that's one that I certainly would be telling him if he wants to try to do both. Maybe Iowa could be the place. So Andrew Francis was his lead recruiter in basketball. Oh, was he? Yeah. I, I, regardless, he's not coming to Iowa. That, that you, kid, yeah, you don't think he will? That kid. Could you see Fran and Kirk coming up with something that would work for him, too? I mean, I don't know their personalities. I don't know what their relationship is like. But I think it'd be well, difficult for both I think their personalities are pretty different. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. I, that would be an interesting... I mean, because those are the kind of kids that don't normally end up at Iowa. Certainly... We've never seen a quarterback. And he wants level. to play both sports? He does want to play both sports, wants to give it a try. At least that's what he's saying, yeah. but things can change. He's going into his senior year, summer basketball, maybe goes to another level and just says, you know what? Mm-hmm. Though I love football, basketball is where I make money. It, it'll be interesting to watch. So one of those fun summer storylines that we're always looking I for. I think he can play baseball and football. We've seen that clearly many times before. Yeah. It's just it's when the sports overlap, and they do. I mean, November, December, they're overlapping anyways. You're getting ready for a bowl game. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you're getting some shots up. No, no, no. no. Yeah, you, got to, uh, you can't serve two masters. That's We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, anyways, in the late game last night, the Warriors and the Rockets, it was you know, there was this point in the game. There's almost 20 minutes where Steph Curry had two points. I mean, two two points in in the twenty minute time frame. There was essentially the middle of the second quarter to you know almost the end of the third. He started to pick it up a little bit, um, and they cut it to what three, and then had a couple of looks late. They did, yeah. And and you, the guys that you would want the ball in their hands with Curry had one, and uh, uh, and Durant had one. So when Curry got going, it, it really wasn't shooting. I think he ended up with three or four three something like that. But more than anything, I think it, four. But yeah, it was him getting to the rim. It yes. was him getting yeah. into the lane and mm-hmm. something that he struggled with in game three. Well, he missed those. Yeah, he missed yeah. those little chip shots. And and he was starting to get that, and that got him going a little bit. Did they go to Durant enough late in the game? I don't think they go to Durant. I'd go to Durant every opportunity. God, he's unstoppable, Trent. And and the Rockets lineup that they were playing. I mean, they went incredibly small there mm-hmm. with Paul. And they had uh, and, and, and Austin he, Rivers. I remind you, he's six foot eleven, and is is a yes. point guard. <laughs> and he got plenty of shots, but I was the same way as you. I just every time, every time. If if the Rockets are going to play that lineup, okay, mm-hmm. we're going KD in the post, and we're going outside, and we're going inside, and he is going to get 
literally every possession is going to be run through him. The three most unstoppable players in the NBA playoffs to me that we've seen so far, and we just mentioned one of them, mm-hmm. Giannis would be another one. Yep. I mean, that spin move he has, that, that's unstoppable. Well, it just his length, his it's long legs, mm-hmm. the way he can... From the three-point line, easily get to the rim. Marv Albert said he's Connie Hawkins. And with that stride. Yeah. And Chris Webber agreed with him. But you know what? Chris Webber's... I like Chris Webber a lot. You're a bigger fan than I am. I know, but when you think back to where he was, and even still to this day, doesn't want to be a part of any Fab Five stuff. Right. It's always the four of them, and Chris Webber declined to be a part of the story. Right. Um, Throw in at the end. He's to me one of the best reclamation projects, and maybe it's maybe it's all on me. You know, maybe I didn't, I had a wrong opinion of him because I sure think I do when I listen to him do what he does. I think he's a great commentator. Um, he's moved way up in my book, but uh, and, and then the other one is Joel Embiid when he's healthy. Well, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's really good. And that's where I was going to go. Is Kawhi would be my third. Uh huh. But you're right. Embiid, I think it's Embiid when he's healthy at his best. Uh huh. But that's the caveat you and have he, to put every single time. You don't get that. You get that no. one out of every three games. Those knees are they're an issue. And that team as a whole, just not headstrong. No, when it goes not. bad, it goes yeah. really bad. For well, them. that's Jimmy Butler in a lot yeah. of ways. That's how I see it. But boy, he's good in his own right, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hockey last night was good. Um, I still think, you know, I was rooting for uh, Columbus to win that series. It's all we need is another Boston championship, right? I mean, good God. It's still alive. They could win oh, the, all Trent, four titles. Trent, I think that they will win the Stanley Cup. I said that a couple of weeks ago that mm-hmm. the winner of this series would be my pick to win the Cup. Uh, and, and I hope that I'm wrong. The Red Sox are circling the drain. But they won it last year. Yeah, I know. But and then the still Patriots. the defending champ. And, and then we'll the get the Bruins. Champ. They could win it. Thank goodness the Celtics are down 3-1. And I don't think they're coming back. Do you? I can't envision it. You I, know, can't I, I told you yesterday of the two, if they both went 3-1. That was the one. Yeah. I'd feel more comfortable with the Celtics. But watching them, boy, last mm-hmm. night again. Mm-hmm. This is a team that is in need of... I mean, they just well, had, Kyrie Irving to make more shots than he has been. That's that that's would be a part of it. I would start there. I mean, he was better, or he didn't go eight for twenty-two again. He went seven for twenty-two this time. Right. I love that. I'm not doing. I'm not going eight for twenty-two yeah. again. Oh, he's right. Yeah, he went seven for twenty-two. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I mean, is it as simple as Kyrie walks, try to find a land a deal to bring in Anthony Davis? Is mm. or is there more to this? Is it a Kyrie issue or deep? Well, did you hear what Jalen Rose said after the game? Mm-mm. That his teammates will help him pack his bags and move him, oh, out, yeah. of, move him out of Boston. It's not a surprise, no, is I it? don't think so either. Look what happened in Cleveland. Yeah. And look what could have been in Cleveland. It kind of reminds me of Marbury and Garnett when they were in the Twin Cities. What could mm-hmm. have been up there but those two guys and that breakup? We will never, ever know. Well, anyway, so let's get to baseball. The Cardinals remain red hot. Um, what, what a story. This, this is a, this is a fun Cardinal team. Yes. Really, it was, Miklas was terrific last night. Uh, the home run ball was there. Uh, but we got to do the Cubs and the Marlins, Trent, because what was going on at the end of that baseball game with Ryan, who is, he's got, was it Walker? I think it was Walker that had straight off third base. He was going on contact. Mm-hmm. Ryan fields his position, pitcher. Now he's got his back to third base, admittedly, but still. He looked at him, though. He looked at him. He stopped him in his track. Walker said after the game that at that point when he stopped and knew he was got, he was going to try and stay in the rundown long mm-hmm. enough to get the runner to second base. Yeah. 
Which and, is the right thing to do. And the runner behind him back. Yeah. And yeah. the runner behind him at third. Yes. So he still used to be out of the double play. That is the second. good baseball Absolutely. move. That's what you do when you're caught. So he was fully expected to get in a rundown and try and extend it as long as he could. Instead, Ryan looks at him, stops him. Does he throw to the catcher? Nope. He turns around and wheels to first base and gets the out at first. Now Rizzo, heads up play. Mm-hmm. Gets the runner to third, who tried to, you know, take take um, uh, some liberties. Um, I don't know. I just... But but I, I think the bigger part of that, that was head scratching, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at that point, they'd already given up the two. Yes. It's Pedro Strope. I know. Well, the walks. A gas can coming in there. And, yeah, but and he'd been good. The bullpen had, had been good. Been, I, I, I can't jump on him and kill him. One bad outing, right? I hope. You know, if you're a Cubs fan, that's what you're hoping for. Is one Carl Edwards was good. And, that was and good to see. If if you're a Cubs fan, you're all right. It's one game. You lost a game of one sixty two. Whatever. I'm moving on. That's the that's what you're holding on to. Carl Edwards not not only came in there, he looked confident. I he thought he did. Yes, yes. I, he was the Carl Edwards that we've seen in the past. Yep. Yes, throwing strikes lowered his ERA to twenty point two five. Oh, wow. that was not a good start for him. No, uh, not at all. So Campbell's okay. Yeah, Solid. I thought so. No, I didn't watch a ton. I watched the, you know, I was. Oh, you I was, had a lot of hockey last night. A lot night. of yeah. hockey, a yeah. lot of basketball. Yeah. But I was, uh, I was there for the ninth inning. I was there in the seventh inning. It was 3 3. That was 4 3. I thought, you know what? Because the, the Cubs had bases loaded and nobody out, and they only scored one run. I thought, you know what? This Marlins team's hanging around in this game. This is going to go right down to the wire. Um, so we'll see. I started with baseball in your homeland. Yeah, I didn't watch too much of that. No. Stroman was awful, huh? Did the Twins get, was Stroman bad or was the Twins bats? Castro again. I mean, the, the catching well, three-way platoon that they've been doing, uh-huh. though, Esadio is on the DL, IL, excuse me. Right. He, uh, they have the best offensive catcher group of anyone in baseball. This team, you look at a bunch of the different statistics. Mm-hmm. Not only are they jumping on first pitches when they see their isolated power is the best in baseball, they, this team up and down the lineup is raking Eddie Rosario with another home run. He leads the American League in home runs. And by the way, Miguel Sano. Yeah, he's on his way back. He's on his way back. How long? A week? Probably. That sounds about right. Maybe week, 10 days, something like that. Oof. You know, the one guy in this lineup that hasn't hit, Marwin Gonzalez, mm-hmm. now you get to put him back. We had That's, a big hit the other day in, 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 uh, at Target Field. Super utility role. He can go back to bouncing around, playing a bunch of different positions. He's played really good in the outfield when he's played. It's been rare, but had a couple assists out there, I think, Saturday against the Yankees. Get to get him back in that role, a little more pop in the lineup. And these guys are not people, as a whole, this group of hitters are not patient. I mean, there's a lot of Eddie Rosarios that just jump on the first right. thing close to the strike zone and go at it's it. It's working for him. If Miguel Sano, though, can be that guy, the reason I loved and was so high on Miguel Sano is not the ridiculous pop that he has. Well, yes, I was going to say, that. is it the sound of the ball coming off no, his bat? Because it is a different it sound. Is. But it's his patience and the way he'll look at that 2-2 pitch on the outside corner and spit on it. He's waiting for the 3-2 that catches the plate. He is so patient when he's at his best. And you can add that kind of guy that's going to draw out pitchers. He's going to get those 9, 10, 11 pitch at-bats, coupled with what the rest they have. If they get that guy back. This offense has a chance to go good. And, and Martin Perez, the other one, talked about him yesterday. He was great again he yesterday. great. Odorizzi. How many, how many innings did he get through? Seven. Seven. Wow, through just over him. 100 pitches. Good um, for him. Yeah, and, and he was outstanding. That cutter, ridiculously good. He still throws in the mid-90s. 
I think they found something. I'm um, jumping in. Did you see Guerrero at all? Did he look lost at the play? He, what did. Did you, he looked lost at the play. He, this is a guy that's been hitting every single level he's been at. He got caught on a, a two-seamer that came back in and struck out looking in a, in a bat that I watched the whole time. But mm-hmm. he just you can tell he's pressing a little bit. He Was just, there anybody at the ballpark? Was no, it empty? Isn't no, that sad, boy? The is. Jays, they, the last few years, they've been packing it. Yeah. But not anymore, man. Not anymore. Well, Rebuild anyways. is starting. I think so. And they yeah. said they were going to gut it and take it right down, and nobody cares about the Blue Jays, Ken, so move on. And we will. Um, <laughs> look forward to catching up with Alec Halstead, and we'll do some NFL conversation with Frank Schwab here in about, oh, 20 minutes or thereabouts. So tonight, you will, as, as we mentioned, um, you're on NBA duty. Okay. I will take that. I like both these series. Pivotal game fives on both sides. Yeah, big spots tonight. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. So you got the hockey cover? I want to watch the puck. You're going to watch start to finish? I think so, yeah. 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock puck drop, 8 o'clock tomorrow. So we've got game sevens in the Stanley Cup playoffs and back-to-back nights. Of course, we're downtown tomorrow night with the Mm -hmm. Iowa Wild. We'll get Joe O'Donnell in here to preview game number four as the Wild have a chance tomorrow to even that series at uh, two games apiece. We know that there's going to be a game five for sure on Friday night. I'm anxious to see... I think they'll have a decent crowd tomorrow. I think they'll be banged out on Friday. Wednesday night, tomorrow night, as long as I can talk Ella into moving gymnastics to Thursday, we're going to go. You and Ella are going? Yep. Going to take her to her first hockey game. Really? Yeah. Hockey game? Hockey match? No game. Do you think she'll be... I mean, it's fast-paced. She's always enjoyed hockey. Even even when she was a little, little girl, I think it was the brightness of the white Mm -hmm. and just speed of it. I mean, the back and forth. I'd have a basketball game. I'd have a baseball game. Never would pay attention. <laughs> and they move a little quicker. Yeah. On and, and, and on the end, there was just something about it. So when I brought it up to her, she goes, yeah, I love hockey. Hockey's my favorite sport. What? We'll see. We'll, we'll see how it parlays. I think you probably get through maybe the, well, you get through the first and yeah. some of the second, and then you, here's the deal. You get in your car and you turn on Joe O'Donnell and you listen to him as That's you make your plan. way back to West Des Moines. See, you got to figure it out. That's Absolutely. how it's going to be done. Well, um, little cotton candy, you know, keep her entertained there. Buy her shirt. Cotton candy. That's all sugar, dude. You want her to sleep, don't you? Um, let's do this. Why don't we do the golf, uh, the EKG and KXNO? And we've got this to alert us to that. It's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG golf. We are asking you to text the keyword super. To 200, 200 right now, enter to win $1,000 cash. That's super to 200, 200 standard message and data rate supply. We'll come back. We're going to talk Iowa State with Alex Halstead. We'll do the NFL with Frank Schwab, NBA with Josh Martin at 1120, and then we'll preview game seven of the Blues and the Stars and take a look at that St. Louis Cardinal team. Boy, downtown St. Louis is going to be a little bonkers tonight, isn't right. it? Right, yeah. With the Cardinals putting, what, 30,000 probably in the mm-hmm. ballpark to watch the Phillies and 20,000. What do they call it? Is it still Scott Trade Center? It's or? not. It's not, it has a different it? name now. It was the Keel Center. Keel to the Scott Trade, and now it's something else. I can't even think of the it. The home of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament and the St. Louis Blues. So there'll be 50,000 or so sports fans in downtown St. Louis tonight. Uh, be a fun place to be. We will take a time out. Alex Halstead is next. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. 1460 KXNO. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO.
All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, and the NFL in about fifteen minutes or so. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, part of twenty four seven Sports. He joins the program. We do some recruiting, some combine news. Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Alex Halstead, how are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, still staying busy here now. Into the off season, recruiting is keeping me busy. So that seems to be any more a year round job, and I think. <laughs> Uh, good for me, though. Yeah, no, I was about to say the same thing. You know, this, this is, air quote, you know, allegedly kind of a slowdown time for you, but uh, not the case with all this news. Well, let's start about talk about the one that got away before we move to football. I want to get the combine news as well. Uh, but this kid, Wheeler, who uh, has decided to go to Georgia over Iowa State, uh, it moved Georgia up to number seven in the team rankings at 24-7 sports. Is, was this kid this good? How big of a, or how disappointing, I guess, is it uh, that he's not going to call Ames home? Yeah, he, he's a top 100 player in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, 24-7 sports has him a little bit lower, actually. You look at his rating yesterday in 24-7 sports released its final top 247. And uh, he came in at number 158. You look compared to Iowa State's top commit, Trey Jackson, the point guard, um, actually same position. He's number 173, so they're actually similarly rated uh, by 24-7 sports, but I think he's top 100 in ESPN, which bumps up his composite. Uh, Georgia's class actually is really up there because they have the number one player in the country in Anthony Edwards, um, who came out yesterday as the number one player, but now they had another top 100 player. So I think it is one that gets away a little bit because Iowa State has put out some some different feelers for the spring period with Clarence Day Dolney picked uh, Texas Tech over Iowa State. Now they lose Severe Wheeler uh, to Georgia. They do still have Caleb Grill, who's going to probably decide this week uh, here soon, and he's going to decide between Iowa State, Kansas State, and UNLV. So um, they, they're over two on the high school market. Uh, but they could still strike uh, with Caleb Grill this week, potentially. Uh, you know, I want to ask you about Georgia and Tom Crean. I mean, um, he's obviously he's doing something right. They they want to come play for these kids, want to play for Tom Crean. I didn't know how it was going to work for him uh, in the SEC, but, um, boy, if this class is any indicator, so far so good, right? Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because I think you've always seen buzz from like national people who say that there's thought around the, the college coaching industry that that's one of the worst jobs. One, because it's kind of a football school, but also because there's not a lot of tradition recently and their administration doesn't hasn't always supported it. But I think they're trying to trend back in a positive direction with Tom Crean. And I talked to Severe Wheeler, and he brought up you know Isaiah Cannon and Cameron Payne and Monte Morris and uh, all of Steve Combs' guys. But he did go back to Crean, uh, which you know kind of made me think he might lean Georgia, and, and brought up Victor Oladipo and mm. Dwayne Wade and stuff. So... He does have some stuff to sell with his history as well. What else is out there? You mentioned kind of the high school market and basketball recruiting in terms of transfers, some some different names that are still available and, and maybe have some Iowa State interest. Anything for us on that front? Yeah, well, Caleb Greer will be the big guy. He'll be the next guy that Iowa State will know on. That's probably the last high school guy that is really out there for them. And, you know that, that list is really getting whittled down to pretty much nothing, but – the transfer market's still kind of interesting. Iowa State did host Javon Johnson from Troy last week. He's a sit-out transfer, so he'd have to sit out one year to play two years. Um, you know, He visited last week. UAB, Houston, others are in the mix. Uh, haven't really heard much from him since, so Iowa State may be still kind of playing slow in terms of what they want to do with transfers. You know, The big one that they would like to get is Rajon Tucker, um, who's going to probably decide within the next week, and he's deciding between Auburn, Kansas, 
Memphis, Iowa State, and West Virginia. I'd probably lean Auburn or Kansas there, but you know, they're in the top five, final five for him, and they did get a visit last week. So, you know, he's kind of a big guy. And I think right now they're kind of wait and see, like, what, does, what happens with Caleb Grill, what happens with Rajon Tucker, and if they need to, then from there they'll probably continue to expand their list into May. Hmm. Uh, let's go on to the Combine, and three Iowa State uh, former players now will be participating, to one of them at the real Combine and Taylor Horton Tucker, but two in the G League, and, and Lindell Wigington, Marielle Shayok being those. Help me out with this, Alex. If you do well in the G League Combine, minicamp, whatever it is, can you parlay that into a Combine invite? Is that how it works? Yeah, that's that's the change this year. So it used to be called the G League Elite Mini Camp. Now it's called the G League Elite Camp. So they took out mini, and I guess that changes everything because now it's 40 players invited. There's also 40 G League players there. You know, it's basically testing, but it's also five on five games in front of scouts, coaches, NBA management. You're, I mean, you're going to be in front of the same people that are at evaluating players at the combine. But the positive thing now is that. There, it doesn't give a number, you know, that how many they're going to take out of that 40, but it says a select number of players uh, based on performance will be then invited to stay in Chicago for the Combine. So this G League Elite Camp uh, goes from May 12th through 14th. The NBA Combine goes from May 14th through 19th, and I think games and that sort of stuff really starts on the 15th. So basically if you do well in, that, in those couple days with the G League stuff, you can get asked to stay and, and then perform in the Combine as well. You know, it's such an odd season for Lindell Wagington. Had the injury early on, then coming off the bench for the rest of the season. It just it wasn't the season I'm sure he anticipated and a lot of Iowa State fans. In NBA circles, what are the thoughts? Last year, it sounded like he was very close to maybe even being given one of those grades that, hey, we're going to take you at some point, maybe in the second round. Where's he looked at today in the eyes of NBA scouts that you've heard? Well, that's the interesting thing is that, you know, he's really slipped where you're not even seeing him projected in mock drafts, but even really on, you know, in those top hundred type lists. Um, and that even comes from people like ESPN who, um, you know, obviously have ported over draft express and have, that's kind of what they do. And so, you know, it, it almost seems like last week, it almost seemed like Mario Shayak was getting a little bit more buzz, mm-hmm. and, which is interesting. And I think that's going to be interesting to see what he does. He, he played really well at Portsmouth and, um, and now it's going to be interesting to see what he does next week. But this is a big few weeks for Wigginton. He did get a workout recently for the with the Utah Jazz, um, and you know now he's going to go to the G League camp. He's probably going to get other workouts. You know, I think he's probably gone. So you know, for him, he's got to have a big few weeks here to probably show out in front of an NBA personnel. But I think he definitely slipped. But you know, I think he the one thing NBA people like is you know athleticism and, and that potential upside. And I think. For that reason, he'll still get a chance, but I just don't know if it's going to be drafted or not. Hmm. You know, I'm curious about uh, Shayok because he's he's got, I think, all the tools. He can step back and he can, you know, he can make a three. So he's he's got that element of his game. But what works against him, and it kind of did with the Andre Kane too. I mean, Kane was how old when when his draft year? Shayok's a five year college kid, right? The, with the sit out year, that's five years. NBA guys, if it comes down when well, you want the 23-year-old, you want the 19-year-old, they're going to lean towards the teenager, sadly, in a lot of cases. shayok has got to overcome that. Uh, what, do you, what do you think that the chances of him doing that? Yeah, I think that's probably his biggest hurdle, and I think it's even starting to become a hurdle for Wigginton. And as crazy as it sounds, but Wigginton was obviously a prep school kid that I think is 21-plus now, and that's the biggest difference between Wigginton and Shayok and then 
Taylor Horton Tucker is. You know, Horton Tucker's 18 and Team C, like this young guy that they have under control and can completely shape his game. Whereas these other guys, especially Shayok, but even starting to be the case with Wigington, are a little older. And we just always see the NBA kind of, they really like the young guys with high upside. And um, that's going to be the biggest hurdle for Shayok. But I think he's got a chance to, to maybe get one of those two-way type contracts and, you know, be able to, if he excels in the G League, get shots. You know, he feels like that kind of Nazmi Kuvan type guy that, you know, if he proves himself, could at least get that opportunity. Let's get get over to some football here and uh, the bad recruiting news on the basketball front from yesterday. Good news on the fu- football front. Grad transfer wide receiver LaMichael Petway, big kid, solid, looks like a good frame to him, six foot two. Had 30 catches last year at Arkansas. A bad football team. <laughs> yes, uh, not a great quarterback play with the Razorbacks. What What do you know about Petway? Yeah, I guess the first thing about him is he's you know just his number six foot two, 30 catches mm-hmm. for 499 yards, and four touchdowns. Like you said, he tied for the lead with with 30 receptions, led them in receiving. I talked to our Arkansas guy, and uh, you know he he kind of said what Ken just said that. Um, if they had better quarterback play, mm-hmm. that way would probably have better numbers as well. Um, you know, they, they really spread the ball around. They went 2-10. and ten. They weren't good. But it sounds like their quarterback was really slow getting to read, didn't hit guys when they were open. And So I think that's going to be the most interesting thing. I think you obviously see some potential with Petway. It's hard to read into numbers strictly because you don't know how those translate and you don't really know how much was on him or the quarterback. But I think just the potentials there and the experiences there, and that's the biggest thing for Iowa State is, you know, between Hakeem Butler and Matthew Eaton, they lose 152 targets from last year, and they're not expecting him to come in and necessarily be Hakeem Butler, but if he can come in and take some of those targets, even play a Matt Eaton-type role, I think that will be big. You know, someone asked me how he maybe compares to, like, a Marching Murdoch coming in as mm. a transfer, and you look at Marching Murdoch's last year, he had 500 yards receiving. I think if he can play that kind of role, um, that would be big for them, and Right now, you look at Deshante Jones is probably their M receiver. Um, Tariq Milton's probably their X, and you know maybe Petway now can slot slot into that Z receiver spot. Hmm. And, and if not him, who would it be? Would it be a- a- Acres at this point? Yeah, Acres was the backup Z last year, so I think right now you're probably looking at Milton and Jones. We know for sure are going to be yep. guys, and then I think Acres and Petway kind of are in that Z spot. And then you know, so those four, and then I think the big question is, you know, how does Joseph Skate and Sean Shaw come in mm. to that picture as well. And I think that's one thing that is big with getting Petway is, you know, those guys could come in and they could look really good. But now as retro freshman, you don't have to rush them if Petway can pick up some of the slack. Now, I think he's going to have a good year. Like, he was one of the best players on a really bad team. Winless in the SEC, and granted, they're in the SEC West, so they got to play those heavy heads. Well, that one in particular, it's a little salty <laughs> year in and year out. But, uh, yeah, look, I think Brock Purdy is, um, you know, they, he found himself a weapon yesterday. That's a good pickup for uh, for Iowa State. What else football-wise? Anything still out there for, you know, are there any more of these late additions uh, potentially? Alex? Well, so obviously it's got two of them now. We obviously just talked about Petway a few weeks ago. We were talking about Justin Bickham coming from Rice, and obviously he had depth at cornerback because, you know, they have seven career starts in that room this spring, but Bickham started 23 games at Rice. So that's just kind of another thing where it just gives you another guy who's been there. Um, so they've got two right now. They've actually still got a few scholarships open. It, it kind of depends on what they do with awarding any walk on scholarships or stuff, but they could have you know, one to three scholarships still open, and I think they're still working on that. I don't know if there's any grad transfers out there right now, but um, this kind of year now comes JUCO, where there's some qualifiers out there that um, 
you know, could leave JUCO now. You know, we saw it happen with Josh Knipfel a few years back, and that obviously paid out for them. And I, I don't know if there's anything like that on the offensive line, but I think there's still some stuff out there that they could still try to add to this roster to solidify it before they really get into the summer. So uh, when you look at the summer recruiting, any names on the high school front? We're getting to that time where the 2020 class, already six commitments there. Any names you think are close from the high school ranks of making a commitment? Well, I just wrote about one from Pennsylvania. His name's Keegan Wilk. He's a safety, you know, almost five foot eleven safety, and um, you know he's a kid that's going to come up and visit next weekend. He, then he told me after that he's already looking at an official visit in June. Um, I think that's a kid that you know it, it's always hard to predict predict exactly when it's going to feel right for a kid. But I think they're in really good shape with him. A new name that's kind of out there and it's going to be interesting to see is Jalen Travis from up in Minnesota, another Minneapolis kid. So they've already got three commits from Minnesota in twenty twenty. You know, this kid's a six foot seven offensive lineman, the brother of Reed Travis, power forward at Kansas, or I'm sorry, Kentucky. Yep. And so, obviously, comes from an athletic family, and it's right now them in Minnesota, and then Northwestern and Vanderbilt are thinking about it. A kid that's getting Ivy League interest, so a smart kid, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh, maybe beat Minnesota for him. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert, part of Twenty Four Seven Sports. Alex, thank you. Appreciate you giving us a few minutes. We'll talk to you. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yep. Good to talk to you, Alex Halstead. Is uh, we talk Iowa State. We talk NFL next. I like that. It's been a while. What's that for the NFL? Yeah. Frank Schwab's going to alleviate that. We will come back with Frank Schwab. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 14. 14- Four. <laughs> Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Miller and Cotton in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you until noon. NBA conversation coming up in hour number two. Josh Martin will join the program. We'll also go to uh, to St. Louis, game seven in the Stanley Cup tonight. Blues uh, and the Stars. We'll do some Cardinals as well. But right now, NFL Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, regular contributor to the program. We're grateful for that. Frank, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Frank Schwab? Hey, what's going on? You know, I want to go back to a piece you wrote. I want to say Friday, and in it, um, it just was not jarring, but um, it just reminds you, Frank, and it certainly reminded me of what a crapshoot that the NFL draft in the first round is. As you pointed out, there were 12 of 31, and the reason there was 31, that was the year that the Patriots had their draft pick taken away from them. Um, 12 of them didn't have their fifth-year option picked up, and some of the names on that list, I remember thinking back to 2016, thinking, well, this guy's uh, no doubt about it going to be a star in the league. Oh, this guy's going to play 12 years. This kid runs a 4-2. He's going to catch a 1,000 passes in his <laughs> career. That's unbelievable. Some of these names that didn't have their auctions picked up, it is such a difficult process trying to uh, evaluate talent. Yeah, no doubt. And not just 12 of 31, but two other guys, Paxton Lynch and Corey Coleman, were already cut. Cut, yes. So basically 14 of 31 didn't get a fifth-year option. And it doesn't mean you're a bust if you don't get a fifth-year option because everybody's going to use the Kyle Fuller example. The Bears didn't give him a fifth-year option. He really played well in year four. He ended up getting a huge deal, and he's been a Pro Bowl player since then. So it can happen. It doesn't mean you're a bust. But... It, it tells me that the team isn't happy with you. It, it does. It, you didn't live up to expectations. You have to. You have to at least put it in that bin for right now. And yeah, I mean, we have all this excitement over these guys that were drafted a couple weeks ago, and it's like, 
yeah, a lot of these guys, third of them, half of them maybe, aren't going to work out as we think. It's just, it's so tough to draft. And we all kind of make fun of the NFL. and it, But it's there's just so many variables that go in, in, into this. And, you know, how a kid's going to react when he gets to the NFL. Yep. And how, how he fits in a scheme and, and injuries and just everything. There, there's a ton that goes into this. And then I just miss. So, you know, it, it's it's a tough deal, and it's funny because I was on over the weekend. I was on another show, and they'd ask me like, you know, which of these guys did you think was was going to be a bust? And I, I said it's easier to ask me which I, which I didn't think was. <laughs> I thought, or no, I mean, I thought every one of those guys who didn't get the fifth round was going to be good, except like maybe you know like Vernon Butler the tackle of yeah. the Panthers late in the draft. I was like, ah, whatever, maybe. But everybody else, like you said. Uh, Josh Toxon, I thought he was going to be great. Darren Lee, or you know any of these guys. Uh, I think Chuck Lawson was on there, and you know, Conklin, the Conklin for yep. the Titans, and uh, Eli Apple, and uh, basically every one of those guys that didn't get the fifth year. It was like uh, uh, during the draft, I thought, yeah, good pick. Uh, you know, he could be fine. Uh, there's yeah. no guys who were just blaring like this is a bad pick. And getting back to your original point just shows how how difficult the draft is. It's an inexact thing. Indeed, it is. And I watched a lot of Old Miss football that year. They were, they were pretty good. Of course, Treadwell had the injury, but Enkendiche was yeah. unblockable. <laughs> he really and yeah. truly was. And Treadwell, I thought, you know, he's going to get back. And uh, the, the two kids from Old Miss to me and Conklin, those were the three head scratchers because I thought both of the Old Miss kids were just going to be stars. Yeah, and if you remember, Ankem Diche was, I believe, the number one recruit in the nation yeah, he was. when he came out. Yep. I think I was, I was actually covering college at your Yahoo. Um, and he was just just a beast. I mean, it's just like a, a no doubt about it. If this kid could enter the NFL today, he'd be a top 10 pick. And and then you just go, and, and it just never seemed like the scheme was a great fit for him. And, and maybe he just didn't have the motor you need, or he just wasn't put in the right positions. And you just, again, there's so many variables that go involved. You know, for some of these kids, and it's a big picture thing, not necessarily with him. I don't know what happened with him in Arizona, but for some of these kids, the, the dream, the goal is getting drafted. I mean, that is, that's a big moment that you see it on draft night. That this is an absolutely positively huge moment in these kids' lives. This is a dream come true. And for many of them, that's the finish line. And hey, I don't I look. It's, I'm not even criticizing them for that. Like that's that's you know to make it into the NFL to get that huge contract, millions of dollars, when a lot of these kids never had anything before. That, that's a huge life thing. And now NFL teams have a hard time figuring out. Okay, which of these guys are going to be happy to be drafted? And which of these guys are like, I'm happy to be drafted, but now I want to be a Pro Bowler. You know, I mean, it's just. There's just so many different things that go go into the draft that I don't, you know. I mean, yeah, you, we make fun. We all make fun of busts and and bad drafters and and this and that and and John Elway never finding a quarterback and whatever. But I also realize this is a tough, tough, tough game these guys play. I mean, this is to to get draft picks right. It's it's just not easy. Well, and a lot of times you'll find that talent, but they turn out to be a knucklehead. As that leads me to yep. OBJ, he's uh, he's ready to turn the Browns into the new Patriots. All right, can we slow down here a little bit? They haven't won a playoff game since they came back as a franchise. I've only been there one time. Can we walk before we run here uh, with Odell? It's I, I I probably lean towards your side too, but let me just play devil's advocate a little bit. Maybe the Browns need this. Maybe the Browns need. Yeah. Hey, we we we're not the old Browns anymore. We're going to come in. and We're confident, and we think we can be the next Patriots. That's ridiculous, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe they need instead of just being same old Browns and oh my goodness, we're going to go one and fifteen again. Maybe they need a few guys in that locker room to be like, no, we're, this isn't the same old Browns. We don't have anything to do with that stuff. 
we're going to be a we're going to we're going to win this division. We can we can compete for Super Bowls. I, I, yes, I, I, I guess I. It, <laughs> I do agree with you in that, yeah, maybe, maybe you should win, you know, more, you know, more than eight games before we start talking about being the next Patriots. But, hey, I, if I'm, you know, I, I see both sides of it at least because I do think part of the problem with the Browns is just you get involved with this losing culture and this here we go again and, God, we're just, we're just, we're the Browns. We can't win. And, yeah, I mean, it just permeates your whole franchise that way. Maybe you do need some something to shake you up a little bit, and, and they kind of have a little bit of a swagger going into the season, and then you hope the results match up with that. But it's uh, you know it's only going to be interesting. I'm I, hey, I, I mean, I'm I'm here for the uh, 2019 Browns. I think by far, I don't even think there's a question. I think by far they are the most watchable, interesting mm-hmm. into the season. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. I, I'm anxious to see him as well. Uh, I'm anxious to hear the uh, ESPN Monday Night booth as they're going to stay with two people. So a couple of things. Um, we Trent and I never talked about this, and, and we meant to. Booger McFarland's going to get his chance. It's him and Joe Testator. No third person. They tried to get Peyton Manning. Peyton turned them down allegedly, apparently, that, uh, you know, that they went after him hard. Is this going to succeed, and is this, if this doesn't succeed, this has got to be the last year of this experiment with the two remaining uh, voices, right? Probably. I. It's tough to say. I look. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm. I'm in a minority here. I really liked Booger McFarlane last year. I thought he was good. I. You know when I'm watching these, and maybe I, I will say this: it's possible that it's just like he was really good because Witten wasn't. Yeah. yeah I mean, Witten right. Witten struggled his first year. Uh, he's even admitted to that. But when they went to this weird, you know, setup where he was on the field and they were in the booth, and that's really awkward in itself. If you've ever, you know, all of us have done a little bit of the stuff like, you know, the, the, akin to having to, to kind of do this three-man weave, and it's tough when you, the other guy's not even around. And yeah, But I thought he was very natural. I thought he offered good insights. He, he would never seem like he backed off of anybody. He, he just told the truth, whatever he saw. I didn't always agree with him. I didn't think that he always was right necessarily in some of the things he said. But I at least appreciated that he was he was kind of outspoken. He was willing to offer you know these instant, hey, this is what's going on in this game. This is why this guy's not doing well, or this why why this guy is doing well. I really liked him, and I thought he deserved the shot. I, I look maybe I, maybe in a full year from now we're saying, well, that didn't work out. They got to try something. Else. That's fine, but I do think this was the way to go. I, they, they do have other good guys. Well, I mean, once look, you had to try for Payne Man. He's the white whale. He's look. If Peyton Manning were to come to the booth, I don't think there's anything. It's it's like the excitement for Tony Romo times ten. Not that Manning was going to be as good as Tony Romo, but I mean, I, I can't even imagine another booth having more hype for it. And if Peyton Manning came up, so you have to try for him. He mm-hmm. says no. Now what do you do? I, I don't think anybody ESPN has in house deserved it more than Booger McFarland. I like Lewis Riddick. I like Matt Hasselbeck. I like some of these guys, but. He was good last year in a tough situation. Let's see what he can do. And if it doesn't work, you, you kind of reevaluate. But I, I'm, I'm actually excited. I think it's good. I think he's going to be very good. And then I also know that there's just people out there who it's almost a sport to them to rip announcers. So nobody's ever going to be 100% approval rating on Booger McFarland. But I kind of like it. I think he's going to do well. Frank, last thing for me down in Dallas says uh, Dak Prescott enters his final year of his rookie deal. A big contract extension you assume is going to be happening, and I know there's been a lot of talk about that. But the window that you have with the t with a quarterback on a rookie contract, did the Cowboys screw this up? Did did they mess up having 
the cost-effective quarterback and not putting enough around him? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's it's tough to say otherwise. Although, I mean, look, they they did win two division titles in three years. I mean, that's right. that's not nothing. It's it's hard in NFL to win in the playoffs, and they lost on an absolute heartbreaker to the Packers that first year. Who knows what happens if they, you know, if that doesn't happen? So, but in in general, you look at that roster, you look at what they've done, and you kind of say. Boy, you know, look at what the Rams did with Goff. Look at what the Seahawks did with Wilson. That's what should happen when your your quarterback's on his rookie deal. That didn't happen with the Cowboys necessarily from a roster building standpoint. So, yeah, and it, it just gets harder. I I I don't know the right answer here. I, I'm going to look. Look, I like Dak. I think I like Dak more than most. I think he's a perfectly solid quarterback. He does some good things. But realistically, is he worth? Twenty-five million dollars? I don't think so. Uh, probably not. I, no, I, I mean, but that's the price you got to pay. There's not. You can't just offer him fifteen and say, "Hey, take it or leave it," because he's just like, "Oh, free agency," and I'll get twenty-five from somebody. So I don't know. I, it, it's a very tough conundrum in the NFL when you're kind of stuck in the middle of quarterback. If your quarterback stinks, it's easy. You just get rid of him. If your quarterback's great, it's easy. You just pay him whatever blank check at, at Russell Wilson. What do you want? Okay, fine. Here, here you go. <laughs> But it's when you're stuck in that middle of Dak is, I think, very good but not great. I don't think he's a transcendent guy. I don't think he's a guy who lifts all of his teammates. And then, but, you know, you're still going to pay him, right? Like, you can't just let him walk. What are you going to do? So I, I think they're just, they're going to have to pay him. He's going to get paid a lot. And it, it becomes even tougher for the Cowboys then, who should have had this window to win big when he was making peanuts. It gets even tougher when you're paying a good, not great quarterback. Twenty-five million or whatever he's going to make. Uh, we have thirty seconds left. The AFL, AAF failed. Why is uh, the XFL seemingly going down the same path? Will it succeed? I said we only have twenty seconds. Sorry, Frank. I don't know. I think the XFL is very interesting. There's they're going to have more publicity. They have a good television deal. They're going to need star players, and I don't know where those come from, whether mm. it's Manziel or whoever. So we'll see. But there's there's room for a second league. It's just somebody doing it the right way. Thank you, Frank Schwab. Appreciate it. YahooSports.com shut down corner. Frank, we'll talk to you in the weeks to come. Thanks. Yep. Sounds good. Good to talk to you, Frank Schwab. As we run out of hour number one. NBA conversation coming up. We'll go to St. Louis, preview Game 7, Blue Stars, and do some Cardinals as well as they got back on the winning track after being swept by the Cubbies uh, over the weekend. Miller and Con, in an hour to go, we're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.